0: Hello and welcome to the Cargatini Show. We don't believe
1: in ourselves enough to really go after our dreams.
0: I had a purpose. It was in a
1: marriage, I wasn't too happy with my relationship at the time. I don't know what it is yet, but I just, I really trust it. And it's it's exciting to tap into it because you see little breadcrumbs of it, like little kind of tastes of mm-hmm. different kind of doors that you're opening up. I do genuinely believe mm-hmm. that if you have the confidence and the self-belief to achieve, that anything is is possible. I really can create change in this world. I really can help people. They've changed my life. They've completely
0: revolutionized the way that I think, and they've encouraged my highest self. And, um, you know, I think the foundation's in those three books. Hi, I'm here with Joel Kahn. Joel is the founder of Make Believe Group, a leading children's performing arts school, recognized as one of the top theater schools in the UK, Make Believe boasts a production company, franchise network, talent agency, and events division. They have produced shows at the world-renowned London O2 Arena, Elstree Street Studios, and the Novello Theatre. As Joel says, what to put into life, you get back in return. With one mind, one dream, and one focus, you can achieve anything. Joel, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Awesome, Joe. So you have a very interesting story. You started your first business at Trump, the age of 12. And at 14, you produced your first show, raising £10,000 for charity. And at 15, you launched Make Believe. Can you take us through this journey, how all this started?
1: Yeah, of course. It'll be a pleasure. So um, at the age of 12, I was actually um, a DJ. And when when it was uh, my 12th birthday, my mum said to me, what is it that um, I would like? And I was obsessed with DJing. And I said, I'd like a DJ set. And my mum looked at me as if I was crazy because obviously she was imagining DJing sets to be extremely uh, expensive. And uh, anyway, she eventually found one in uh, the Argos catalogue. She um, got it for me and I was starting to DJ in my in my bedroom. And then I thought to myself, I could go out and earn some money uh, by doing DJing as opposed to just sitting in my bedroom, doing it to myself. And I started doing my friends birthday parties, their little brothers and sisters birthday parties. And then I ended up landing a job um, at a restaurant in an Indian restaurant in Canary Wolf, uh, you know, back in the day. Um, and I became the residence, uh, resident uh, DJ at this particular uh, restaurant. And from there, I, I started to pick up a bit of a name for myself um, within that kind of industry. And I was invited to do weddings, the mitzvahs. Um, I started doing big corporate events at the Four Seasons Hotel in Canary Wolf. Um, and then what I was DJing the name? whilst I absolutely loved it. I Say again, sorry.
0: What was the name? DJ Khan?
1: I I never kind of gave myself a name. I'm sure I was called plenty of things at the time, but uh, I was just, uh, it could have been DJ Kern. If I could go back in time, Carl, I'll perhaps call myself DJ Kern or DJ Joel. Um, Mm. But I never gave myself a name. It was just, you know, I was just going out and uh, just enjoying myself and having fun. Um, And at, you know, 12 years old, um, they, they were paying me, you know, pretty good money. So as a 12 year old wow. kid, I was, you know, spending it as, as quickly as I was earning it, obviously, because what else are you going to do at 12 years old? Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the age of uh, 14, my family uh, were involved with a charity called the Parry Charitable Foundation, and they built homes for children and young adults with learning disabilities. And the chairman at the time, was someone I very much looked up to and respected and he completely inspired me. And his name was Jeff Pelton. He was the chairman of this of this charity. And um, I, to say thank you to him, I was thinking, what can I get him? And, you know, I then thought, you know what he would love and respect? The fact that I could hopefully raise money for the Parry Charitable Foundation. And that's exactly what I did. So I thought the best way to do it and to raise awareness of this, of this charity would be to produce a show. Wow. And I got my dear friend's, uh, Natalie Green uh, who was starring in the West End at the time and my friend Sam who I've grown up with uh, he's one of my oldest if not my oldest friend Um and he was doing business studies at school uh, so I got him to manage all of the finance I got Natalie to um help choreograph the production and the three of us put this show on and I invested four thousand pounds of my um money that I'd saved up through DJing mm-hmm. and we raised ten thousand pounds for The charity. So I took back the initial 4,000 that I'd invested and we donated, uh, 6,000 pounds to, to the charity. And, uh, we, you know, it was amazing. We, we got over a hundred children from all over the community to come and audition. My school that I was attending at the time, King Solomon, sponsored me and they allowed us to use the facilities. Um, you know, and we ended up selling out uh, the whole show, um, within a few days and, um, it was just fantastic. And then from there, I thought I loved it so much. By the time I got to 15 years old, I, you know, from doing a year's worth of producing this show, I thought, you know, I could not only help other people, but I could also maybe make this a career. And that's where the idea of make-believe began. And uh, it's just grown, you know, the idea just expanded from there.
0: Wow. And what was, how? how did your parents... What role did your parents play in this, you know, starting Make the live? What was their opinion about it?
1: Well, I think my, uh, well, first of all, I've got the most incredible parents. I'm I'm very, very lucky. And um, I do genuinely believe that uh, everything that we, not everything, but our start in life is obviously what we learn from our parents. And that is the foundation to hopefully put us in a good stead to, to grow as, as an individual. Um, and I had, I was very, very fortunate that I had, you know, incredible parents who gave me that strong foundation. And I think when I approached them initially, you know, I think my mum, you know, I was, my mum was a single mum, parents were divorced. So, I was living at home with my mum, and I initially spoke to her about it and obviously she was quite shocked. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, she was also thinking, you know, he's, he's, I know he's just done this show, but at 15 years old, you've got yeah. school, you've got your GCSEs approaching, you know, you need to focus on your education. And, but the thing about my parents is they would never deter me from pursuing what it is that I wanted to pursue. And they were in, extremely encouraging, extremely supportive. And they did that through love. And, um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm extremely lucky to have had that, have had that foundation.
0: Mm -hmm. And, you know, Joe, I was wondering at 15, what was it inside? What was going on in your mind? Why did you, you know, looking around at your peers and where at the point you're at in life, what made you think that you could pull this off? What was going on in your mind at the time? Because not every 15 year old is going to come up with, you know, an idea like this, which is so grand, right?
1: Yeah, I guess. Um, I think I was just at the age of fifteen. I was, I was, as most young, you know, a lot of young people are. You know, as as we get older, we probably get a little bit more apprehensive, or um, you know. But as as a as a fifteen year old, I was completely and utterly fearless. And one of the things that my father, you know, always used to say to me is that you can achieve if you're capable of achieving something, you can achieve it at any age. And and he told me that from a very very young boy. Um, And I think that that instilled an innate confidence in me and a self-belief that I could achieve anything. Um, And look, I enjoyed school. I was a hard worker. I was never – I wasn't an academic, but I also wasn't stupid either. And um, I think that I always knew that I wanted to, you know, do something where I was, you know, running a business or, you know, I loved the idea of being a head teacher. Um, I love the idea of being in control of my own destiny and, uh, you know, the fact that I had such an incredible time doing, you know, the, the show at the age of 14, um, instilled uh, and, and was, you know, it shined a passion on me that I, you know, obviously before that didn't realize that I had, and because I did that show, it gave me, and because we achieved it at such a grand kind of level. It gave me that confidence over and above everything that my parents had taught me to to go out and actually do it and create a positive impact. And that was what kind of, um, you know, put me in the right footing to move forward and and begin make-believe. Oh,
0: so say your belief that anything is possible really played a a crucial role in you being successful,
1: right? Without question. You know, I do genuinely believe Mm -hmm. that, if you have the confidence and the self-belief to achieve that anything is, is possible. And, you know, um, you know, sometimes it takes all of us a little bit longer to get to the, you know, the dream that we're, we're aiming towards or, you know, the target that we want to hit. But at the end of the day, you know, with, with focus and with hard work, you know, moving in the right direction from uh, you know and being smart about it um you know it will hopefully you know please god get you to that to that place that you want to be and um you know like everybody when you know nothing uh, that is hard um doesn't come with its challenges and yeah, sure. if we have that focus and we keep going uh, anything is possible
0: yeah Joe, what lessons can you share with us that you've learned from running make believe for over a decade? I think it's sixteen years now, right?
1: It is. It's gonna be sixteen years okay. on the seventh um on the seventh oh. of 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 June. Awesome. So what lessons
0: have you learned from, you know, starting a business so young and making it successful, you know, to, to what it is today, an international, you know, company and changing so many lives. What lessons have you learned?
1: I think uh, well the first first lesson I would I would suggest and, and say to anyone is to is to maintain focus mm. I think you have to constantly be focused and one of the things that you know that young people possess and I definitely did that myself is you can be it's easy to come up with a million ideas and try and pursue a million ideas and you know your enthusiasm can sometimes get get the better of you. And I had quite an impetuous personality. So, uh, you know, I would, you know, whilst that, that can work in your favor, at times you think of an idea and you just want to run with it, which is good. But you can sometimes do a million things and achieve only half of what you could achieve if you focused on one at a time. So I think the first lesson would absolutely be focus. Um, mm. I think the second is to um, not only learn from your own mistakes, but also listen. And get advice off as many people as you can so that you can learn from other people's journeys. Um, you know, as you go through business uh, and business is in itself is like a university, you know, and it's, it's life experience, you know, you're never ever going to not make mistakes. And I think you have to embrace those, excuse me, you have to embrace those mistakes and you have to very quickly learn from them because it will only those mistakes, if you embrace them will help you and put you in good stead as you progress forward in your business journey and one of the and the final thing i would say um is to always ensure that you remember where you started and why you started it Mm -hmm. um and i always say people buy into the concept of your business uh based on the why rather than the what and Mm -hmm. you know our ethos whilst we've got bigger and our company may have evolved in various forms and various different directions. We've always stayed true to the reason why we started um, from the offset. And uh, so, I would say those are the three um, mm. three things that I would pass on to, to uh, somebody. Those, else. Are,
0: those are very powerful lessons. And you know, speaking of focus, what are some key things that one should focus on to increase the chances of success while starting a business? Sorry, repeat that, Carl. Uh, You you know, you mentioned focus, and I think it's very important. What are some key things that one should focus on to increase the chances of success while starting a business?
1: Well, I think, you know, people always say to me, excuse me, people always ask, you know, I want to start a business, but I don't know what to start it in. So I think you have to hone in on two things. Number one, you have to think about what you're passionate about. And number two, you have to think about what you're good at you know, or what experience you've had. So, you know, you're, you're honing in on your business. You know, you start a business because you're passionate about a cause or, you know, you can, you've can you learned something in the past that you can therefore, you know, carry forward. Um, I mean, there's so many different things. I mean, think about that answer, actually. Sorry. Um, it's okay. Yeah, I think the focus comes from the fact that you – um, it, it relates to the other two things that I was saying, which is not trying to do too many things all at once. You know, you've got to focus on the why. You've got to focus on why you began the company in the first place and the impact that you're going to have um, on on people's lives and how your business is going to change people's lives potentially um, in a positive way and not digress from that core uh, reason why you started in the first place.
0: Mm-hmm and he also mentioned about ideas you know having so many ideas that you don't know which one to you know to 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 focus on and you yourself are an ideas enthusiast right yes definitely (laughs) so how do you recognize a great idea from a bunch of ideas
1: so back in the day Uh, you know, naturally I would come up with a, with an array of different ideas and I would, you know, I'd obviously speak to my friends, I'd speak to my family at times, but typically I would, you know, I'd go on gut instinct of whether I think that that idea was a good one. And, you know, because of that fearless personality that I was describing before, I would, you know, throw a few punches and test the water and see if they would work. And if they did, you know, you would, um, you know, we would, we would continue. And as the company now grows, I'm fortunate enough to have an incredible team of people around me. So if we come up with an idea, whether it's my idea, whether it's a colleague's idea, a franchisee, um, uh, someone you know within our senior team, we will you know discuss those ideas um, and we'll you know look and assess them in a in a strategic way. So um, you know, but then again, some of the best ideas have been the ones that we've not thought about and we've just run with them and you know just gone with it. But you know, the bigger we get. Um, you know, and the more experience we naturally um, have, you know, again, our approach is always slightly, you know, slightly different. Um, and I think that that's part of the learning curve of, of, of running running the business and also having the opportunity to have the resources behind you in order to, to have that support from a, from a team of people.
0: Mm-hmm. You know what I'm, I'm, I'm getting from this is when I asked you personally about the ideas you answered in terms of we. So I get that. What I'm getting is that you need, um, you believe in the in the in a team, right? To get good ideas, you
1: believe in making ideas as a team rather than just as a one person, right? A hundred percent, without question. I think you know building and I, I, listen. There's plenty of business people that have said this over the years. Extremely famous ones that have been, you know. Ex- extremely successful you know when you're building a company you're building a team you're building a team you know and that that team is becoming you know is, is buying into the purpose of why you started that business in the first place and your your job as a, as a boss as a as an owner as a leader is to inspire is to get the best out of the people around you you know I as we all do when none of us are good at everything it's, it's physically impossible you know so you have to work with people and bring people into your company that have an innate ability to improve that department or that part of your your business, or you know, impact you know, impact a different uh, section of it in a in a positive way. So you as the leader, and in this case myself, my yeah. job is to bring those people together to and to hopefully work together to you know to to make. And ensure that make believe is the best it can possibly be to service the students um, that we have attending. You know all of our schools.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, and and while we are on the topic of team building, uh, you built out a team at 15 years old, and you mentioned in the in the podcast with Kizi that you struggled to get people you are managing to believe in you as a 15 year old entrepreneur. So what lessons have you learned about team building that you can share with us?
1: Yeah, I think it, the, the, the challenge came from the fact that I think it was more about um, what people's perception of you was uh, or perception mm-hmm. of me was, you know. And it, I, I guess, you know, we're all at fault of this sometimes. But if you're, you know, 35 and a 14 year old comes up to you and says, I want you to do this, you know, um, it's a 14 year old that's how some people can perceive it and mm. you know that's how maybe some people perceive me so it was about you know and 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 I'm a true believer um that you have to give respect to earn respect mm. so i think that's number 1 you have to give respect to earn respect and you know hopefully from that um people then you know if you provide that respect to other people then hopefully they'll respect you in return so um treat people as you want to be treated um i think Number two um, is you have to focus on the positives. You get a lot of leaders who focus on the negatives of people. You know, if I've got 20 people or 20 franchisees um, and, t- and we share an idea and 10 of them, you know, either don't move forward with that idea or don't maybe pull it off um, in the best way. But then the other 10 go with the idea and demonstrate that you know demonstrate that they've done it really well. We or I will highlight the ten people that have done it well, rather than share amongst the team the ten people that didn't. And hopefully, by sharing that, it will you know provide a little bit of vicarious reinforcement to the ten that are perhaps finding it a little bit challenging to actually go. Oh, you know what? We should maybe approach it in this way. Um, so I I I, I think. I'm always led by optimism and I'm always led by um, a positive approach. And, uh, you know, I think you get the best out of people when you highlight the, their, their positives rather than their negatives. And it, it, you've got to, you know, instill a sense of worth into people. Um, you know, yeah, of course, you can be critical, but be constructive at the same time. But it's always better to approach it in a, in a, in a positive and optimistic way than not.
0: Uh, Joe, there's something I want us to talk about that uh, wasn't on the agenda, but you know, what's happening right now in the U.S. with uh, all the riots and because of the the George Floyd you know incident, you work with kids a lot, right? Sure. And I want to know, how are you, what are you telling these kids? How are you, because you can't ignore it, how are you helping them to... Yeah, because at one point or another they're going to come across this content you know with social media and all that how are you grooming them and building them to deal with this reality that because you have kids of color you know make believe and i'm wondering what are you doing sure so, yeah how are you dealing with this as a company
1: yeah i it's really the- It's a really, really interesting question, and I'm I'm more than happy to to answer it. I think that I think being Jewish, I can relate to it. Um, Of course, I'm not black, so Mm -hmm. you wouldn't necessarily recognize that I'm Jewish because Mm -hmm. of my skin color, if that makes sense. Um, And one of the things that we've tried. So the reason why I said that is I can relate to it from, um, you know, from being a minority, I guess. Or coming from a minority, and you know, experiencing some form of anti-Semitism to some extent as I've as I've uh, progressed through life, and um, you know, I've had I had family that you know were you know there during World War Two, you know, so we all know what happened with that, and and the impact that that had on people's mm-hmm. lives, Um you know, history always should teach us; we should always learn from the past. Addressing the past, understanding the past, will help us determine what is going to happen in the future and how we deal with things going forwards. One of the things that I've really tried to achieve um, within make believe is to highlight diversity.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: We have have all different types of students from different backgrounds, different religions, uh, different cultures. You know, there are a variety of people from different demographics. And, you know, children um, need to, you know, not just children, but people need to be educated. And sometimes we can make it think is an okay thing to say. Another person could be offended by that. Does that make the person that said it a racist or an anti Semite? Nine times out of ten, probably not. But the job of the other person is not necessarily to attack them, it's to teach them, it's to educate them, it's mm-hmm. to make them understand that that could be perceived as something negative or that could be perceived as an insult, you know. And uh, I think that's one of the things that we've really tried to um, achieve at Make Believe is to bring our students together from all different communities. And that's what the shows do. Our shows bring everyone together, you know. So if a child comes from a very Anglo-Saxon background or an Anglo-Saxon community where there maybe isn't many uh, black or Asian people uh, by coming to the show and mixing with other children from other communities they're getting to learn about those children they're getting to learn about their culture they're getting to learn about what they uh, respond um to mm-hmm. and that's so important you know in society that you know we bring people together in the best way possible and uh, to learn because you know that's how we that's how we improve as people was by listening and by learning from others
0: Well, I love that. Joel, thank you for, you know, sharing about this because it's a, it's a tough conversation to have. It's a, an uncomfortable conversation, I would say, because it always kind of creates tension. But, um, I thank you for, you know, expanding on that very positively and in a very light way. So thank you for that.
1: No, it's a pleasure.
0: Yeah. So Joel, let's, we're going to go into some quickfire questions. What is your definition of success?
1: My definition of success is uh, to be content. Um, you know, you can measure success in a multitude of ways. But I think if if you're content, uh, if you're happy um, and you feel fulfilled, then, um, you know, uh, obviously I'm not explaining why and the things that are around me that would make me content. But I think if you feel content to me um, that personally, that's on a personal level, not on a business level, that is success.
0: All right. That's interesting. That's a very unique answer. <laughs> I love that. So what would make you content to you as a person? What would make you content as Joel?
1: I think, um, you know, my granddad, who was my absolute um, best friend, um, mm-hmm. you know, always used to say to me, you have to like yourself, respect yourself and love yourself in order, in order for others to like. Respect and love you. Oh. And I think again, he, he taught me that from such a young age. And, you know, I don't mean going around telling people how fantastic you are, but you have to have that self belief and that self respect, you know, um, because who else is going to give that to you? Yeah. You know, you, 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 of course, you're hopefully your mom, your dad, and the people that you have around you. But, you know, life isn't just your family and life isn't just your friends. You've got to have that self belief and that self love, respect, um, love and respect for yourself and, uh, you know, and that energy because people resonate towards that. Um, I know I do personally. Um, so I think that that definitely, um, plays a key role, um, in that, in that I'm being content. And naturally, I'm very, very, very lucky. I've got incredible friends. I've got. A fantastic family. Yeah, you know, my dad uh, has has you know provided me or provided for me, you know, for the whole of my life. Um, you know, and he's been there to provide me with advice and support. And my mum, you know, I naturally as a as a, as I said a single parent, um, mm-hmm. she, you know, I lived with her predominantly, and um, you know, she's a foster carer and uh, she has taught me an immense amount about young people, about life. Um, And, yeah, I think, you know, all of the people that I have around me and and, and the self-respect that I have for myself is, you know, and, you know, naturally make believe and the success that it is. And, you know, I'm very happy and I'm very lucky, but I'm still young, so I've still got lots more to do as well. So (laughs) that also keeps me keeps me going.
0: Awesome. Joe, do you have a favorite book?
1: Do I have a favourite book? Yeah. Um, I, I, I watch more movies than I read. I actually, I watch, uh, let me think of my favourite book. I, it's really weird. I listen to a lot more people rather than reading. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not very patient. <laughs> so <laughs> sitting and reading, my mind ends up going to a million different places. But um, So have I got a favourite book? Um, it's okay, we don't
0: today, have one. It's okay if you don't have one.
1: No, I haven't got one. I haven't got a favourite book. But I, I, if I was going to ever choose a book, let's just approach it that way. If I was ever going to choose or, or, or pick up a book, I would normally pick up an autobiography, I okay. would say, you okay. know, and I, because I'm inspired by people's journeys and I'm inspired by people's stories. Um, so I can't pinpoint a favourite book. But if I was to choose one, it would be about an individual uh, that has accomplished something. And that doesn't necessarily just mean business. That could be anything. Um, because I am inspired by, you know, people that have, have gone on a, an extraordinary journey.
0: All right. So I'm going to ask you that instead. So besides your parents, mention, give me some people who are, some names of people who are inspired you the most.
1: So without question, oh. um, my grandfather. Um, my grandfather, um, you know, recently, you know, passed away only a, a couple of years ago. Um, but he was my, as I said, the probably the closest person to me, um, in my family mm-hmm. spoke to him every single day, um, you know, around seven o'clock in the morning cause he was a, a black cab driver. Uh, and if I hadn't, if I didn't call him by 7am, he'd be phoning me saying, what's happened? Are you okay? Where are you? You know, so it was that kind of relationship and we'd see each other three times a week at least. And, uh, he taught me everything, uh, I know (laughs) for sure. And it's so weird because he made such a profound impact on me as an individual that even when I sometimes say things or make decisions, Mm -hmm. I will be, I will be listening. It will be as if I'm, I sound like him or I'm doing what he would have done. And, um, I'm, I'm, you know, not everyone has that opportunity to have a relationship like that. And I I am definitely very, very, very lucky. And uh, he is without question the most inspirational person that I've ever had in my life. Wow. Anyone
0: else outside your family? Uh,
1: I would say another person that's very much inspired me is a guy called uh, Jeff Pelter. Uh, he was the chairman of the of the Parry Childsville Foundation. And uh, I'm very uh, very involved in martial arts, which is my other passion. And he was my sensei and my teacher from a very young age, um, you know, performing arts and, 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 um, uh, uh, oh God, martial arts. That's it. Performing arts and martial arts are my two passions. I think they instill a confidence and a self-discipline. Um, and, and he was the chairman of the charity and he devoted his entire life to helping young people from the community and, um, you know, who, who, who really needed it. Um, and also someone that's been a, a fantastic teacher is a guy called Richard Nickel. Uh, he was, he is the, or was the CEO of, uh, of Saatchi Asia uh, and also the managing director of Such and Such X. And I had the privilege of being able to work with him. And even to this day, if I need help, I can give him a call. Um, and, and he is a, a marketing genius. So I, I always give him Uh, a phone call whenever i you know if i ever need advice if i ever need any guidance you know um i'm always very lucky to to give him a call or to be able to give him a call and and um and he will always be open to to give it to me and, and i'm you know very very grateful uh for him doing so and taking the time uh in in doing that awesome man
0: Joe, uh, talk to us more about Make Believe and go into a little bit more detail, like the work you do and the services you offer.
1: Sure. So, um, yeah, Make Believe began um, with, with five students. Uh, and I'm so proud that we now have uh, in the region of about three and a half uh, to four thousand young people attending all of our schools. Um, and the whole, you know, aim of Make Believe is to teach kids the basic skills in the performing arts whilst developing uh, their confidence and self-esteem and just teaching them skills that they can carry forward with them for the rest of their lives. You know, and drama, singing, dance can, you know, teach you so many different things. And it's not just about, you know, standing on stage. Um, it's about the the skills that you learn through those three subjects, through those three disciplines that will only benefit you um, as you progress through life. Um, in addition to our schools, we have uh, a production company where we produce shows in and around the West End. Um, and as I said last year to celebrate our 15th anniversary, we actually produced a show at the O2. Mm-hmm. Mm.
0: Um,
1: and obviously, as we move, obviously continue producing shows um, you know, in a variety of um, venues, giving our students the opportunity to perform and do what they love. We've got an agency, and our agency is where we get our young people Uh, work in tv theater and film and we've worked with brands such as coca-cola jc penny nike haribo samsung you know some of the biggest brands in the world and we've even had a child star in a hollywood movie um called all the money in the world and it was directed by ridley scott and it had mark Wahlberg in it michelle um williams um and mark Wahlberg. so it was uh, sorry and christopher Plummer. I said, Mark Wahlberg and Christopher Plummer. So that's our agency and our events division uh, produces events, um, you know, both here and overseas. Um, So, yeah, and we've grown at such a rapid pace because we've had the opportunity to um, franchise. And now all we do is license our brand to a multitude of individuals who are also looking to start their own business and carry it forward and make it hopefully a huge success. And, Create a positive impact within their local communities as, as, as a principal, as a, as a business owner, and as a, and as an activity leader, and uh, yeah, and hopefully we will only continue to do that work and, and enjoying what we do.
0: And then, Joel, does make believe function as a traditional school? How does that work? I'm curious to know.
1: So our students actually attend make believe after school and on the weekend. Oh, okay. So it's an extracurricular activity. Okay. Um, providing students from three all the way up to 18, how to sing, act and dance. So mm-hmm. kids would come to us after school, let's say between five and eight or 5.30 and 8.30 in the evening, um, or on the weekends between 10 and one. And they'd do an hour of singing, an hour of dancing and an hour of acting. So we focus on the vocational studies rather than the educational uh, platform. Awesome. Uh, but who knows? You know, in the future, anything could develop.
0: Yeah. You know, and I saw that right now you're doing virtual classes, right? Sure. Because of the situation right now, how how are you, you? know, how how is that going for you right now?
1: Yeah, we've been doing virtual classes, obviously on the premise of of, of COVID nineteen. And yeah. uh, you know, I always think you, you you mentioned to me in our chat before we started the call about you know adversity and when you're going through a difficult time, how can you put a spin on it and make it, um, you know, turn it into a strength. And, uh, you know, we went from the traditional teaching the children in a classroom to how can we continue providing our students with the with with the make, you know, being part of the make believe journey. And we took all of our lessons online. And I said, look, during this time, we want to support our families, you know, by doing make believe um, and supporting the children while they're at home during lockdown um, completely for free. So we paused oh. all of our customers payments. Uh, we didn't take. Money at all, and since lockdown started, we've had over 10,000 logins um, oh, to the classes um, across all different communities. And all I said to parents is, Look, uh, we don't want any money from you, but if we can uh, raise money for Great Ormond Street Children's Hospital at the same time, which hopefully will support the NHS. Um, that's all that I ask for in return, if possible. And if parents had the funds and the means to be able to do that, um, then they then they have. And you know, we've raised over two thousand pounds so far, and hopefully that's only going to continue uh, for Great Almond Street. And uh, so the classes online have, have been fantastic, and we hope that you know, the children are continue, you know, are, are enjoying themselves and enjoying the 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 online the make believe virtual school. But we are, as a company, obviously very much looking forward to, in addition to the online sessions, looking forward to getting back into the classroom um, where we can continue uh, doing what we love and continuing in the make-believe journey.
0: Amazing. Joe, what's your number one social platform for someone who wants to connect with you? Um, me personally or the business? You personally and the business.
1: And so I would say... Um, the best way to um, get in touch uh, if someone out there has got a child that wants to be part of Make Believe, definitely you can visit any of our Facebook pages um, or indeed our Instagram pages, um, and uh, you know via our website uh, or indeed via any of our Make Believe Facebook pages uh, or our Instagram pages. Um, and if it was if they wanted to get in touch with me personally. They would obviously be more than welcome to do so via my LinkedIn profile. Um, And, uh, yeah, I would always welcome that too.
0: Awesome. And that's all going to be in the show notes for our dear listeners. And, yeah, sure. So that's www.makebelieveworld.com, right? That's
1: the the, the UK. That's the UK. Yeah. The the website is uh, www.makebelieveworld.com. Makebelieveworldwide.com. Mm-hmm. Um, that will take you to our worldwide platform, which will then lead you to the different uh, countries that you that you're, you know, you're in, and you can click on the relevant link. Um, and obviously, uh, my LinkedIn profile is Joel Kern, and um, our Facebook page within the UK is Makebelieve_UK. Awesome. So, Joel, I have one final question for you. Sure.
0: Yeah, so this is a question I ask every guest on the show. So what would you say to someone listening right now who might be feeling lost or dealing with a ton of stress? Maybe they've lost a job or seem to unsure which direction their life should take.
1: Yeah, I I think, you know, COVID-19 has definitely uh, challenged us all. You know, I don't think anyone has gone through this situation thinking, that everything is fantastic and everything is okay. It's been far from it, from a health perspective, from a financial perspective, uh, you know, managing a mental health perspective. You know, I, I think the most important thing is, again, is to keep focused, to have a routine during this time. And, you know, to reflect, you know, we've got time now to reflect on what we were doing in our lives and how we can improve on that, you um, because you always want to hopefully be proactive in, in moving forwards. Um, And it also gives us an opportunity to learn about ourselves as well. Um, You know, I've done a huge amount of reflecting. Uh, I've, I've looked at, you know, kind of looking at from a business point of view, looking out my whole company and looking at the areas that we, you know, can improve. Um, So I think it's a time to reflect on us personally You know, to hopefully, you know, read and learn about ourselves on a personal level, which is only going to benefit us from a mental health perspective and a personal development point of view. And from a business point of view or from a career point of view is, you know, look at what you were doing before. Look if that was making you happy and look at if that was fulfilling you in the way that you wanted it, the, the way you wanted to be fulfilled. And then how can you improve on that? Um, and this time that it's given us is actually positive. You know, people, some people looking at it as a negative. I'm, I'm definitely looking at it as a positive and, and you know, taking it, taking this as an opportunity to actually um, reflect, improve, and, and, and move forward.
0: Awesome, Joel. Anything that you can share with us that on a personal level that you've maybe learned or, you know, discovered anything that you're, You know, anything you've learned from this period that is personal?
1: Yeah, I think, um, I actually think the most important thing I've learned from this is time. Uh And, um, and well, you don't learn time. I think you learn to appreciate time a little bit more. Uh You know, we are all very wrapped up in our day-to-day lives and especially living in a city like London, Mm -hmm. um you know everything has to be done yesterday that's the culture you know and there's deadlines and there's things you've got to do and you've got bills to pay and you know you've got people to look after and from your business everything is a hundred miles an hour um and i think the thing that we've been most lucky with here is actually having that time to spend with our friends Mm -hmm. you know when we've been able to obviously spend time, even if it's over zoom you know (laughs) spending time with our families um, you know, that is something that whilst all of us do as much as we can, we don't always do it enough or we don't always have the time to do it enough. Um, so me personally, um, I've I've learned to try and create a bit more of a balance
0: mm-hmm.
1: in in my life. And, uh, you know, uh, it, it, again, not get wrapped up into, you know, the day to day, but to really focus on the people that actually mean the world to you. Um, which is your friends and your family.
0: Mm, amazing. Joel, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate you so much for the amazing work that you're doing. And thank you for sharing your story, the knowledge and the lessons you've taught us, Joel. I'm so grateful. and Thank you so much.
1: Uh, you know, Carl, it's an absolute pleasure. And uh, as I said to you when you reached out to me, I was extremely honored and uh flattered and also uh, you know appreciative of the fact that you took the time to write and actually look at some of our stuff initially um to, yeah. to, to, to get in touch so um it's been a pleasure and I've, I've very much enjoyed myself
0: thanks for joining me this week on the car katende show subscribe to the podcast so that you'll never miss an episode And if you found value in this show, I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would really help us a lot to grow. Thanks again for listening. See you next week. Take care.